Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In Joshua chapter 5, there is an encounter between the leader of the Israelites, Joshua, and this mysterious soldier warrior with a sword drawn. And Joshua is on the outskirts of the city of Jericho, about to go into war, and he asks this mysterious visitor, Who are you for? Are you for us, the Israelites? or for our enemy, the men of Jericho. And that mysterious warrior says, I'm neither for you, the Israelites, nor for your enemy, the folk of Jericho. But I am the captain of the army of the hosts of God. And in a way, that heavenly visitor, if you will, says to Joshua, I am not for really you or for your enemy. I am for the purposes of God. And I'm not here to serve you. Really, Joshua, you are here to serve me. In our previous message, we spoke and asked this question repeatedly, who are you really living for? Is God just in a way at your beck and call? Or are you really His servant? Is your life about you with God as an ancillary crutch, if you will? Or are you really sold out to God? From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, you belong to God, and He is master, and your whole life is hidden in Him. Well, today I want to give you a few things that God is for. That heavenly man, that Christ that appeared there to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, He said, Joshua, I'm neither for you nor for the folk in Jericho. I am for really the Lord. So in this message, I want to remind you of a few things. I'm just going to take seven and remind you what really God is for. Among many things, I want to point out seven. Now, I want to give you a little bit of context for this message. This is really part two Um, of uh, my speaking to a group of young, radical Jesus lovers. And I prayed intensely before going into this meeting, Lord, do you want me to be real with them and address them plainly? Or do I need to sugarcoat things and sort of, you know, beat around the bush? Or can I just be blunt? And so 
be aware that in this message, I am addressing a, a young motley crew of believers. And I felt burdened of God to talk about tattoos and things of that nature. And I don't want to come across dogmatic, but I was challenging some of their motives and stuff. And I dare not make a statement that says, uh, you know, what our modern culture does is all wrong. But I was challenging their motives. So I would just ask that as you listen to this message, you would pick up on my heartbeat for this particular group of young people, this upcoming generation that in a way we're passing the torch of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the economy of God and the stewardship of the mysteries of the kingdom of God onto them. And so I want to talk plainly and bluntly in a way that the Apostle Paul talked to the folk in Corinth. He didn't beat around the bush, even with the people of Galatia when he wrote the letter to the Galatians. So, take what you can. If the shoe fits, wear it. But if it doesn't, just put it on the shelf. So here we go. Seven items, if you will, that God is preoccupied with. And I hope that you can calibrate your life and adjust your life and repent where necessary. And instead of God joining you, why don't you join God? No doubt God loves you. No doubt about that. That he is for you and not against you. But the bigger issue here is, are you for His purposes? The first thing I want to tell you is that God is for His own purposes. You can go read in the book of Isaiah over and over and over in Isaiah. It says, the Lord is at work. Who can hinder? The Lord's ways will never be frustrated. On and on, sentences like that. God knows what He's doing. He's never late. He's never slow. He's never fast. He's perfect. All the questions you and I constantly ask, why, is almost an insult to His wisdom. An insult to His sovereignty and His timing. See, the reason we ask all the ways, why, why not, where were you, is because trust is not strong in us. We constantly interact with God on the basis of getting an explanation. And He's not caring to explain a whole lot. I'm not for you, I'm not for them, I'm doing my own thing. Now you just adjust, you recalibrate, calculate, recalculate, and join me. I'm doing my own thing. Saints, the Lord has never been lost. God knows what He's doing. Are you with me? <coughs> I refer you to uh, Genesis 15. We don't have time to read it. But Abraham has an interaction with the Lord. He's like, Lord, um, are you going to give me a family or what? What will be my reward? What will be my inheritance? You've obviously given me land, but I need people. I don't have a son. Are you going to provide that son? And the Lord says to him there in Genesis 15, I am your reward. I'm the fullness that you need. Augustine said it this way. We remain restless until we rest in the Lord. The hour 
average Christian I meet are so... Oh, how do I say it in English? I'm hard-pressed finding just a guy or a gal nowadays that's relaxed and confident in God. Oh, this doesn't make sense, but I know He knows what He's doing. I trust Him. Oh, I'm hanging on a cross? I, for the joy that's set before me, I know there will be a resurrection. I can endure a year of picking weeds in a monastery. Abraham, I'm your reward. Abraham, in essence, is saying, Lord, what do I get for serving you? And the Lord's like, I'm so glad you asked. Here I am. Pick me. Until you can embrace the fact that the Lord is very wise, very sovereign, very all-knowing, that you're not an accident, your environment, your circumstances are arranged so He can get your attention and you surrender through that. Until you make peace that the Lord's not at war with you, He just is a man of war, but He's not warring against you. He's doing His own thing. And He's just asking you to repent, to turn, to surrender, to fall down. Come join me. You're going to have the time of your life. Saints, I've been walking with Jesus since 93. I highly recommend it. God has a will. He has an agenda. He has a desire. He has purpose. He is His own pleasure, by the way. We'll get to you in a minute. I know some of you are very mad that I'm not pointing you out as the first thing God is all about. Is that okay? I'm pointing God out. His own pleasure, He's His own counsel, His own wisdom, His own sovereignty. In Ephesians, Paul speaks a little bit about the Father. Then he says, oh, and we are to the praise of His glory. He speaks a little bit about Jesus. Oh, and we are to the praise of His glory. And he speaks a little bit about the Spirit there in Ephesians 1. Oh, we are to the praise of His glory. It's really all about God. And I know you've heard that, but do you live in such a way that if you were to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord, God would say, there's my boy. Yeah, he flipped burgers for me at McDonald's. He was totally in me, for me, with me, by me, through me. Oh, he was totally for me, even though he did something maybe so simple. Amen. Number two, what is God all about? Christ. You never saw that one coming, did you? <laughs> Christ died so that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. The Father is about Christ. Oh, my goodness. Christ is the centrality of God's purposes in the universe. If you disagree at any time with anything I say, just keep quiet. <laughs> Who is Christ? Well, Christ is just God in manifestation. So if God is for His own self, obviously He's for His own visibility, His own manifestation. Who is Christ? Christ is just God in incarnation, God manifested. In Him dwells the fullness of God. There's nothing that God can give you that He has not already given in the Christ. But that's why Christianity is boring for you. Because you're going after the latest, the greatest, the hype, the this, the that, the movements, the messages, the men. I've been around the block. Many of you, maybe not, Tomorrow when the next thing happens next door, you leave here 
and go there and go here and jump around and float around and it happens. Why? Because we're so bored with Christ. So we're looking for something else to make us alive. And yet in Him is the fullness. And if you found the fullness of God, you become such a contented person. So relaxed in Him. He can finally breathe in you. And you can be in the dance with Him and be led by Him. What is God doing? He's just doing Jesus Christ. The Father was pleased that in Him all of the Father should dwell. When you take a hold of Jesus and stop lollygagging around in so many things and thinking that will give you life, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son constantly is looking for sorts of things to just make him happy and prosperous. And I'm telling you, in all you're getting, get God's passion. And Christ, who is God, He is His own passion. Number three, you never saw this coming. God is about the Spirit. God is about the Spirit. The Spirit is just Christ, invisible. Who's the Father? The Father is just God, eternal. Who is Christ? Christ is just God, manifested. Who's the Spirit? The Spirit is just God, inbreathed. It's better that I go away so I can breathe myself into you so that you can have a life in reality. Instead of a life in self and I and me and culture, a life in reality. When was the last time God was just real to you? Or must you always have a manifestation or a... Can God sometimes just be real to you that you just know Him? The Spirit making Jesus real to you and the Father real to you. God is about Himself. God is about His kingdom. Number four. I want to give you the keys to the kingdom. In other words, I want you to interact with my world. That's really what the angel, that fearsome warrior, says to Joshua. Joshua, I'm not for y'all's little things down there. You've got to come have a glimpse of what I'm doing. It's awesome. God is about the kingdom. What is the kingdom? He wants to give you the keys. We know this from Matthew 16. The keys so that you can interact in the heavenly, the eternal. Yet you're so concerned about where you're going to get your next meal. Who's going to marry me? What house will I live in? Will she like me? She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. How will I pay my bills? Seek first the kingdom. Have a life of interaction with God. And he says there in Matthew 16, my translation, by the way, is the best one in the English language that captures the heart of what's being communicated. As it is in the heavenlies, you will live it out in reality. You'll permit what I permit. You'll restrict what I restrict. You'll be my ambassador. You'll be my extension. The kingdom. I rule through you. So how are you doing nowadays reigning with the Lord? Or when somebody look at you still a little ugly. Oh gosh, I need counseling. I need to run to my pastor for prayer help. A little anointing, some oil. 
Where's the overcomers nowadays? Come on, saints. See, your interaction with God, that warrior is defeating all of his enemies before him. And that victory is a sure thing. You just need to like enter into it. You've heard it. We don't fight for it. We've got to like reckon ourselves according to it. Live in it. Saints, this whole walk with God is way easier than many of you make it. Shoot, I'm going to have breaks. Okay, I've got to pray for Jerusalem. All right, seven shandais. <laughs> got to run. Got to throw some oil. Listen, when I grew up, people taught me if you really want to interact with God, you've got to get some ash on you. Get some sackcloth. So I would be praying. I would be fasting. Then we got into grape juice. Dude, we would throw grape juice in our cars. Constantly speckled grape juice. You touch the steering wheel. Everything's sticky. It's like, this doesn't matter how you interact with God. Then I got into oil. Got to oil the doors. I did all of these things. So afraid of devils and demons. And then one day I just read Romans 6. Just reckon yourselves according to his reality which was death and resurrection i'll give you the keys the father's about the kingdom to rule and to reign stop being afraid and timid and intimidated and dominated over i gotta go to council and get rid of curses dude we should be free from these things if any man is in christ yeah so many of us, we have this in, oh, how do I say it? We walk to Jesus, instead of having our face turned to the Lord, we constantly have our face turned to our back. That's why His countenance is never lifted up on us. We hardly have a good day because we're not looking into His smile, into His radiance. Saints, I wish I could have more time with y'all, but... It, to live an overcoming life, it's not something that you, you gain or arrive at. You just got to like, it's kind of an attitude. <laughs> Either you have it or you don't. <laughs> just get it. Just get it. The Lord is about the kingdom. The Lord is about the church. Oh, glory. Oh, glory. I'm hard-pressed to find Christians nowadays that can tell me what the vision, the divine vision of the Lord's body is. <laughs> the average answer, oh, the church is not a building, it's God's people. But besides that, I don't want to hang out with most of them because they perturb me. <laughs> that's, that's about the revelation now. That's about the depth of our revelation of the church. The Lord's about the church. I'll build my church again there in Matthew 16. The gates of hell will not prevail. The church. Hmm. What's the church? What's your vision? Because that's what God is doing. Yeah, but you're into denominations, right? You're into men and movements, right? Yeah, I know you because I was there. The Lord is about the church. Who's the church? Oh, it's not a building. I get it. 1 Corinthians 12, the church is actually, listen, the church is just Christ in manifestation as Christ was the visible image of the invisible Father. Who is Christ? Christ was not somebody other than God. He was just the visibility of God. 
Yeah. Who's the church? The church is something not other than Christ. It's not in addition to Christ. It, my body is not in addition to my head. It's just kind of like one thing right here. But the body is just the visibility of the head. Who's the church? Jesus is building. Who's the church? The church is just Christ. Go read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. So is Christ. But we don't have such a vision that we are for the Lord, and so we make schisms and divisions, and we're in competition, and we're intimidated, and we, we, we are jaded, and we're cynical. I meet more Christians that are hurt by Christians because we just act all goofy. We don't have a vision of the heavens. We don't have a vision of the reality of the kingdom, who the church is. And so, yeah, we hurt and we offend and we... Hmm. But the church got to be one. Oh, we got to be one. No, dude, the church already is one. Christ does not divide it. I think what you think is unity, you just actually want everybody to dress the same or sing your hill songs or just want everybody to jump like you jump. Now we're the church. Well, yeah. No, we're not. The church is just Christ. He knows what he's doing. He is building his church. I can talk a lot more about that, but I want to get to number six and seven quickly. Let's make it a little bit more personal. What's the Lord doing? Well, He is about the Father. He is about His own self. He is about Christ, the most magnificent person in the universe. Amen. Woohoo! <laughs> Bunch of unbelievers in here. <laughs> the Lord is about His own spirit, not by might, not by power, but by. Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So then those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. But if I leave, I'll send the Spirit of reality, and He will lead you into all of the truth and the depth and the reality of God. He's about the Spirit. He's about the kingdom, that you would interact with Him, and His reign would be manifested through you as an overcomer. He's about the church, just Christ on earth. Christ visible on the earth. He's about the exchanged life. He's about Christ in you. Point number six I want to make. What's the Lord all about? He is about replacing all of the fallenness in you with the divineness of himself. Wow. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I. You know the Greek word for I? Ego. It's no longer I, the ego that lives, but it is the Messiah, the anointed one, Christ. Amen. I'm going to write a book one day called Ego. E-G-O. Everybody's greatest obstacle. I got a copyright, by the way. Don't you dare. Because <laughs> I'm in competition with you now. I got to beat you to the chase. Yeah. No longer I who live. For me, to live is Christ. Christ in me is the hope of manifesting the glory of God. What is the Lord all about? 
replacing you. That's why I believe in replacement theology. Amen. <laughs> Only a few of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, the exchanged life, the indwelt life. The Lord wants to incarnate himself all over again so that when people touch you they touch an aspect of God himself when they hear you they hear an aspect of God himself Christ in you and then lastly God's about you we finally arrived at a little bit of you yeah the Lord does love you you are absolutely adored of the Lord he is about you he is about your dreams and your hopes and your talents. Amen. But they find their purity, their holiness, their satisfaction, their purposes, insofar you gain the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Kingdom, the Church, and the exchanged life. Saints, don't be somebody else. Stop imitating other people. I can't stand Christians to pray like others. Hypocrite. <laughs> Shakespeare said it best, to thine own self, be true. You don't have to. See, the reason you imitate other people and try to be like somebody else is because you're insecure. The father is not your daddy in reality. The Son is not your identity in reality. The Spirit is not your power and security in reality. Saints, God does love you. He has great things in store for you. Take it from an African. Take it from an African. Y'all, He's inviting us into His world. And when you say yes to that, He will auto-correct your world. He can't wait to climb into your skin and live through you and make some of your hopes and dreams. But you see, to the extent that you gain Christ, you will deny all those wayward self-ego things. And there will be the purity coming up out of you and the Lord will give to you. Saints, you're not going to lack. You're going to make it. You're not going to lack. You're going to make it. You're going to be an overcomer. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He's more concerned with you than a sparrow that falls to the ground. Isaiah 49 says a little something to the extent that he's engraved you into the palms of his hands. It's no justification for having a tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> I think I just stepped on some toes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know why many of you have a tattoo, because somebody needs to notice your flesh. See, my lifestyle can't testify for the Lord, so I need some graffiti to testify to the Lord. Listen, Christ in me is the hope of glory, not a tattoo on me. You need to check your motives while you get all those things. There's so many times so people can make a boast. Oh, aren't you so cute? And see that little thigh and that little, yeah. We just need people to give us a little bit of recognition. Get free from your insecurity, saints. Yeah. If you get that thing, bless you, child, for they don't know what they're doing. Check your motives before the Lord. Who are you? You're trying to get attention or are you secure? 
He is about you. He wants to restore the most authentic image that's only you that he has in mind. So yes, he is restoring your soul and he wants to heal you and he wants to grow you up and mature you and lead you. Saints, you're going to make it. He is about you. He's about his own purposes. But when you say yes to that, he very quickly will guide, lead, support you. You're going to make it. Let me close by saying, for those of us who are not fully given to the Lord, you're still holding on a little bit to your brokenness and your fallenness and your identity and it's because of the way I brought, was brought up and all these things. When you're inviting the Lord always into your little life, you'll see that you're going to be roaming around in a lot of confusion when you do things according to your own understanding. You explain yourself to me because this does not make sense. When you constantly are just about you, you're not going to hear the Lord like you want to. You're not going to discern the Lord like you want to. You're not going to see the Lord like you can. God doesn't want to play hide and seek with you. He does want to reveal Himself and be very blatant, very upfront, very just plain. But the reason God is a big old mystical maze for many of us is because you're holding on to your own way of thinking, your own destiny, your own vision for life. And you can't open up your hand. And so you're in confusion, you're in wandering. And so what happens if you don't have a vision then you don't have energy. Everything becomes a schlep. You can't endure. You can't stand out in your job or your career or school. Saints, those who are in the Lord and live by the Lord, endless energy to endure. Endless energy. Because they know the Lord is so much greater. He has purpose. And even if I get killed... There's purpose in it. Nothing is wasted. But you just hold on to self. Oh my gosh. You never see clear. Saints, tonight I just wanted to remind you that the Lord is not for you or for them, even though He kind of is. Yeah? He's for His own self. He loves the vessel, but He's purchased you for His ways, His methods, His timing. And He's asking you more and more and more, let go. Let go. Amen. Amen. And as you take Him, you will find life so enjoyable. You'll have endless energy perseverance, strength, boldness, all the things that you want is really in Him. If you can just make up your mind, life's not about you. I remind you, He's not for football. He's not for this team or that team. I almost encourage you to stop praying before the game. 
she's putting God in an awkward spot. <laughs> How do I say this? Um, I don't care who wins or loses. I care that my purposes endure. Christ died for all. So that those who are now resurrected by Him, that died in Him, that accept the end of themselves, that are now resurrected by His life, that they may no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and has been raised. Amen. Amen. I love you. I bless you, saints. Live it up. Live it up. Go for it. Just do it. <laughs> but make sure you're a dead man walking. And that I, me, and self man walking. Amen? Amen. All right.